Daddy son. This guy's to be breathing in that old dairy air. Because you see, town smells like shit. Ladies and gentlemen, Hello. boys and girls, mit Diamond und Herren, welcome to Not the Weekly Planet. It's not. Nerdy news, geeky gossips, the big dumb cast. My name is Chris oh, Johnson. My name is Matthew Watson. Oh, that was good. That sounded like Tim Curry going to vomit. It's quite appropriate, really. Yeah, very appropriate. No, I'm going to throw that was like 90% of his, his dialogue for the wild film recently. And anyone born after 1998 listening to this is going, What? What? We're like, mm, cult- Uncultured Swines. You know that meme you really like? It's from something. Wild Thornberries, baby! Yeah, Back when Nickelodeon's cartoons all had one mission statement. To look really fucking weird. Yeah. Regardless of what the story or context was. Yeah. They all just looked weird. Cartoon Network had a set of style. And if some of theirs were weird, like Cow and Chicken were weird. Cow and Chicken was really weird. But like Ed and Neddy, Dexter's Lab, they all kind of had like a vibe about them. Go a little further back and you get um, Rocco's Modern Life. <gasps> uh, I, I love Rocco's Modern Life. It's great. Um, uh, yeah. Oh my God. Have the heavens just opened, or is that a tree? Uh, Sorry, that's just a tree. In the world of this recording, guys, it is a day where it has been raining, then sunny, then raining, then sunny, then raining, then sunny. And the slightest noise makes me go, oh, Christ, I've got to walk in that later. As a man in his early 30s, it's bothering me because I can't put my washing out. Oh, my God. I'm so old. Are we old now? I'm so old. Are we old? Old. Christ. Are we the baddies? Um... (laughs) Could be worse. Yes. Could be bothering you because it's making part of one of your limbs slightly achy. Ah, that's true. Yeah. All my limbs are slightly achy. Have you ever achy broken a I've uh, I've had my nose broken. For real? Yeah. Is it a story you're happy sharing? Or? Uh, some cunt just pulled a knuckle duster on me while I was on the way home from work. Jeez, that was. I was only eighteen at the time. Oh my god. Mm. Wow. Well, like a panda for a week. Oh, so swings and roundabouts. Yeah, that's cute in yeah. a way. I'm kidding. That's horrible. Two, two black Damn. eyes. And uh, assault is never fun. Assault is not Spread fun. Spread assault is never fun. I've been down that um, horrific road. Probably on the same road. Possibly. Um, yeah. No, I've, I've never... I've, I've broken... I think... It was never diagnosed. I think I broke a toe two years ago. A little toe on my left foot. It was an excruciating pain for ages. Yeah, toes and fingers are a fucker because they can't really do anything. Yeah, you just have to bind it. straight. Well, well, that's the thing. I was like, this hurts. This really hurts. And it hurts whenever I put pressure on it up and down. So I just like bound it to the next toe. Yeah. For a few days. And then for a couple of days I was at home. So I bound it to the next toe with like something flat underneath them just to keep them in place. And then within a couple of weeks it didn't hurt as bad. But I was like, what the hell did I do for this still to be hurting? And I, was, I must have broken it. Broke it. And I think broke I've it. shattered a bone in my freaking like where you, the ball of your foot is as well earlier this year. Because that's still on and off gives me zip. What I'm saying is, we are way past our sell-by date. I'm, I'm literally rotting in the package. And our relics of a bygone era. Which is why this week, to praise the almighty algorithm, we're talking about it, 
But not that one. Praise the algorithm! Praise the sweet YouTube recommend section. Praise the algorithm! Feed it the blood of your own innocence. Um. Provide. Provide. Uh, but yeah, so if you're wondering why the hell the thumbnail is Pennywise, that's why. If you want to know, know what our why thoughts are on It Chapter 2, the brand new release from Warner Brothers? Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. Then we'll be talking about that next week. Gives you time to go and see it, folks. However, if you're worried about spoilers for It Chapter 2, maybe don't listen to this. Yeah. Because... Also, maybe don't read the book that came out in 1986. Yeah, this is like the only... This is the, the only time I will say this with no sense of irony or piss take. If you're worried about spoilers for It Chapter 2, the movie coming out this week, don't listen to this. Because we're talking about the adaptation of the book that came out first, which will undoubtedly share some spoilers. Any other week, I'd take the piss out of that for the exact reason that young Matthew just listed. But this week, I kind of get it. Fine. Go away now. But stick around for a little bit, because before we talk about it and our our love? Question mark? Um, of the 1990 miniseries? We'll get there. Our feelings oh, about our, the 1990 miniseries? Uh, uh, dreams? Um, yeah. I'm your worst dream come true! Uh, then... Before we get to that, we're going to have a little chink work about a couple Top Boy X. But first off, Uncle Terry died. Yes, this was a sad one. Terrence Dick, or Terrence Dick, as he was affectionately known from his own mouth. Um, Terrence Dick, for those who don't know, I'll be surprised if you didn't, if you someone listened to this show. Uh, Terrence Dick yeah. was a, kind of a profound TV writer in terms of just the amount of work he took on. Prolific. Prolific, that's the one. Definitely um, Working a lot with the BBC in the 60s, 70s and 80s. Uh, most notably as the script editor and occasional writer, uh, on-off writer for Doctor Who. Wrote a lot of Doctor Who, that man. Yeah, a chunk of it. He's one of those writers who wrote a bit, led it, probably wrote a lot more under other people's names. Yeah, the Terrence Dixon, Philip Hinchcliffe era of Who is very highly regarded. Yeah, and then he, um, and then he went on to con- contribute stories for years to come. Uh, most importantly, Terence is the reason why a lot of Doctor Who fans were able to revisit classic stories over the decades. Because, you see, boys and girls, back in our day, there was no such thing as the iPlayer. I mean, back in our day, iPlayer was sticking a cassette in the TV and taping it and then watching it back whenever you wanted. So it was just tapes. Or catching the occasional repeat. Just tapes. But prior to that, repeats, when there were less channels, boys and girls, repeats were not common at all. They just weren't a thing. Um, they were used very, very rarely. Doctor Who famously only ever had like really one repeat season during its original run. That was the five faces of Doctor Who. Yeah. And they yeah. lead up to the five Doctors being broadcast, where they re- they just repeated uh, five previous serials, one for each Doctor. Um, so it wasn't even like a, if you want to see it all from the beginning, here it is. It's, no, here's a few that we've managed five. to get hold of in the building. To show you. If you want to see it all from the beginning, too bad, because we fucking lost a bunch of it. Yeah, but, 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 those lost ones included. So many of these stories survived and became known to and beloved by young fans of the show who grew up with it because of the Target novelizations. Oh, yes. The majority of which, 80 plus, I believe, There's were many. written by Terence Dix. That dude... <laughs> Churned out. Oh boy, did stories. He. And not only did he churn them out, he wasn't just like, "Oh, I'll take the script and adapt it." He was like, "I'll take the script and I will flesh out the scenery. 
I will add stuff that we couldn't afford to do on the show. Yeah. I will do it from the POV of different characters from time to time so that you yep. get more of an in-depth feel about these one-off people that are just in this story that we never meet them again. Um, I'll expand on, on sort of the Doctor's lore a tiny little bit through hints and, and suggestions. Stuff that then writers like The Virgin New Adventures in the 90s like leapt onto. Oh boy, that, that and... Well, yeah, the terroristic novelizations and the... Um, the Aranovich... Um, Oh, was the so, producer at that time? Cartmel. Cartmel, yeah. Yeah. Sort of period. People love that shit. Yeah. That was that was the springboard for the for the new adventures. And the whole expanded universe that sort of sprung up in the in the in the early early to mid nineties. Yeah, the wilderness of... years. Or as everyone knew it at that point. The It's coming back, right? The years. the, the <laughs> Doctor the the Hulus years. The years sans who. The era sans déroulé. A universe without the Doctor scarcely bears thinking about. Yeah, he shed it. Yeah. He shed it. But yeah, Terran 6 passed away. I don't think they've, as of this recording, I don't think they've announced how he passed. I probably have something to do with the fact that he's 84. That is probably very likely. <laughs> um, but true, the, like he, he's, you know, not one to steer away from controversy in recent years. He's had a few, um, a few opinions that... Fans have butted heads with and, and modern makers of the show. He's an eighty-four-year-old man. He's had a, he was an eighty-four-year-old man. He had his fair share of opinions. True, but he also <laughs> he also never seemed to come at any of this stuff from from a petty or argumentative place. It always came from a place of love of the show. He invested so much of his creative life in. Unless you were Eric Saywood and your bloody Cybermen. Eric Saywood and your bloody Cybermen. <laughs> oh, Terence Dix. <laughs> Shall be missed. He will. He bloody will. What more? What more can we say? And he coined. There was a, a thread doing the rounds on Twitter that he coined so many phrases we associate with Doctor Who now. Escape to danger. Escape to danger. Um, the the, the groaning and wheezing references <laughs> to the TARDIS, like that. That being the description of its sound, comes from him frequently using it throughout the targets. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the one who coined the uh, the John the description of John Pertwee as having a strange old young face. Which is, you read that, that is... and you go, what? And then you think about it, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I then saw reused in one of the BBC books, I can't remember who by, but to describe Matt Smith. And it was like, yeah, 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 that, yeah, that suits him too. God damn, a strange old young face. Um, he, uh, he was the one who sort of frequently referred to the third Doctor's hair as like a mane of silver, silvery white. It's more like a cauliflower, really. Hey. But it's a majestic cauliflower. It is, but that's what... That's what... <laughs> Take that to the nuttouch. They could turn that into something that would feed 5,000 for months. That is what John Pertwee's <laughs> do- doctor's hair was. It was a cauliflower. <laughs> Which Tom Baker wanted as a companion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said I wanted John to return. They said, why would you do that, Tom? You'd have to share the spotlight. I said, no, not fully. I said, I want the top of him peering into shot. Pertwee's barnet. <laughs> I want John's scalp. Bring me John's scalp, I said. They I said, Tom, Tom, my dear. I'm using it. Oh, Tom, <laughs> you've gone insane. I said, John, let me use your scalp. And he said, now, steady on, chap. <laughs> steady on. I'm not willing to give you my scalp unless you negotiate a correct fee. But I do have a collapsible caravan I can sell you. <laughs> he does have a collapsible caravan he can sell him. Watch it. I can collapse it in 17 seconds flat. <laughs> Time me. Time me. 
To his credit, he did collapse it in 17 seconds flat. That is true. Uh, almost. Remarkable piece of technology. Almost as quickly as the British economy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, satire. Um, our our um, assorted beverages are raised. Our glasses are raised. In honour of... To Terence Dix. Uncle Terry. His legacy, his work, and the family that survives him. Now. This week's guest, Terence Dix. <laughs> Come on in, Terence. Slightly uh, who adjacent news. Looks like... We made it. Um, Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi Of the 12th Doctor fame. Peter Caprison. Uh, Peter Caprison. Throbbing Pete Meat himself. Oh! Um, apparently he's joining James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. What the deuce? Aye. Um, we don't know who has yet. As of this recording, it's not been announced, but speculation is right. Yeah, but uh, a friend of the show, Will Carlyle, has suggested perhaps Hugo Strange. Which uh, I'd be down for, to be honest. I would be yeah. completely down for him playing Hugo Strange. Yeah. Um, I've seen, I think it was the Warpcon account teased Captain Cold but one of my favourite predictions I've noticed so far based solely on the fact that at a convention he attended last week he had a shaved head yes is uh, Mr. Freeze because he's not shaved it completely off but it's like a number two cut which is very short for Peter Capaldi a tight buzz and at a number two his hair is like shock white yes. at the root so I would not be surprised if he, we were going to see some Mr. Freeze. I wouldn't be surprised action. by that either, in fact. Um, oh, and also, a bit of news I completely forgot about to bring up last week, which is which is um, not only segues from that piece of news, but also leads perfectly into our main topic. What the deuce? Uh, the Flash has a new director. Yes! Yes, Bish! The new director being <clears throat> Andre Machete. Fresh off It's Chapter 2. And I know his quote so far that was released was something like, I'm a horror, I'm a horror guy, so I, I, I'm i going to be bringing some scarier elements to the Flash. No, no, it was, he's like, I'm a horror guy, but I'm not going to bring them. Really? Yeah, he's not going to bring his horror chops to the Flash. It's not that kind of material. Please do, though. Like, do, to, to, uh... to get, please do to whatever antagonistic force he's up against. One thing that the CW Flash did really well for those first two seasons is make their villains really creepy looking and know, really sinister. Zoom and zoom and reverse Flash in seasons one and two are creepy as anything, and it works in the show's favour because they feel like yeah, like but... Barry's fast as as sin. He can outrun anything and shoot lightning bolts. He's and all the that fastest stuff. Barry Allen. He's the fastest Barry Allen. I'm Barry Allen, the fastest Barry Allen. <laughs> this series, I'm going to run faster. Than the Barry, Barry Allen. Allen. But, like, the, the, as a result, he's a really positive, really very powerful force to be reckoned with. How do you offset that without just doing another speedster, which is the mistake the CW makes a lot yeah, as it goes th- on? Th- they should not do another speedster in the movie. The way to do that is you make your villains un- unsettling and off-putting, regardless of what the hero's style and look is. Shazam works really bloody well. Because, yes, Mark Strong as, as uh, Savannah, 
but particularly because of the seven sins yeah. and their design. And any time the villainous stuff is built up in that movie... That boardroom scene is... Oh, it's horrifying. Straight out of a monster monster movie. And just like, you know, that, 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 that is great because it's like, regardless of this big shining, you know, Greek god-inspired, like, Superman character, like, we can see is super powerful. Zachary Levy in a muscle suit. Yeah, which is great. So good. Um, every time you see the bad guys, you go... Oh no, yeah, no, I'm I'm worried for Shazam. Like Shazam is gonna have a hard time with these guys. Yeah. Simply because of just how creepy they are and how dark and unsettling they appear to be. I just think that's the wrong approach for the Flash. And this is already a, a film that's been in such developmental flux. I you know what? I, I'm saying it now, I don't think he's gonna be the last director attached to this. Because he's like number four now. I think. And the last two have both left because Ezra Miller wasn't happy with the direction of the the story he was about to go into. I honestly believe that if Andre Machete leaves The Flash, The Flash is not going to get made. I hope it doesn't get made. Or they could always joke that, no, it came out. Did you all not see it? Uh, I guess it was too quick for you. Oh, oh damn! Uh, One so... thing that movie has not had a quick turnaround. Oh, you really me, Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it would be a waste to not bring some of his strengths into it. Um, because even Aquaman was again directed by a horror director, James Wan, and he brought some of that to it with the trench. Oh, that trench sequence is so good, and with some of the way the shots are set up with like with uh, meeting with Thingy. Willem Dafoe's guy. Uh, Volko. Volko in the wreckage and stuff like that. Some of those shots are really spooky. And also just Willem Dafoe. True. He's a spooky guy. True. If I hang on, yeah, Aquaman horror director. Shazam horror director. Yes. Uh, possibly The Flash will have a horror director. Possibly. At the moment Just lean does. into it, guys. Just do it. Make your stories about the bright, colourful, interesting superheroes fighting the really dark, scary things. Like make them the uh, you want you want to reverse from the dour, grim, dark, like overly serious tone of the early films in this series. The way you do that is you make your heroes the heroes kids can imagine beating up the monsters in the closet. And you do it before Disney beats you to it with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. God damn! I cannot wait for that film. Good lord! Rewatching um, Endgame last night, and I realised just how excited I am to see Scarlet Witch as a co-lead yeah, movie. Yeah. Especially when she rocks up in the fight. It was the first time Lucy had watched it since the cinema, because I saw it thrice in the cinema, I think. And this was the first time Lou had seen it since her first... She, it's the second time she'd seen it. Yeah. Once at the theatres, once now. She spent the entire third act, she put down everything she was doing, she was just like, Whoa, you go, girl! Yeah. God, T'Challa, get out of that! Like, it was, it was amazing. And you forget how so well done that third act is, that you it's, are... It's pure popcorn. It's but staggering It's so scale. simple. Because yeah. it's just like... Good guy's got to get that glove away from bad guy. Bad guy has army. There's your scene. <laughs> and you're like, okay. That's how this works now. And it's so simple and brilliant. And when Wanda rocks up, you feel it. You're like, oh, she is going to rip you a new asshole. And she nearly does. And then he chicken shits out and starts firing on yeah. the how, how do I? How do I beat this... This terrifying force of nature. I'm just going to order my fleet to fire on her. <laughs> That's all right. Okay. That attracts another terrifying force of nature from the stars. Yay! <laughs> um, power creep. It's real. 
There's a great featurette on um, on the Blu-ray as well about essentially the A Force shot. Yeah. Just celebrating the, the the women of Marvel and the idea that like you know there there are franchises out there that still only ever have like one or two kind of females on par with the dudes in the, in the, the action teams or casts or whatever. Yeah. And it's like we wanted to obviously we're minus a couple of characters here, but we wanted to get as many of them as possible into this shot. Just to be like, you know what? We're like, because they, they even say in the feature, like, we were at first we wondered whether it felt like it was a pandered moment, but we wanted to celebrate this. We wanted to celebrate these characters and yeah. kind of have a moment to be like, this is cool, right, guys? Yeah, it's cool. And it, it works so well. It works so freaking well. Um, and it made me sad that there isn't an Ant Man and Wasp film scheduled into the phase four at the moment. Yeah. I hope they are in someone else's film at the very least. That'd be nice. Because they are so good. They are so good. They are so They're good. Very, so very good. And I'd like to see him tackle a, a, a Boo Hiss villain. Hmm. Which would be nice. Because Ghost, Ghost was spooky, but you like... You do love a good Boo Hiss villain. I do yeah. love a good Boo Hiss villain. And, and the MCU has given us some really good layered ones. But like Thanos is still... You get his motivation. You understand it. You don't agree with his execution, nor necessarily the morality of what he's doing. But he still has like the chance to be a boo his villain, because in the first movie it's his film, and we see see it more from his sort of perspective. In the second film, we get boo his boo his villain Thanos, when the past self gets involved in the storyline. Yeah, because he's just like, no, we know what's gonna happen if he wins, so it's an excuse for them to just make him be this big scary bad guy. And it's like, yeah, we get the best of both worlds. We get the grey area complex version in Infinity War, and then he gets. Spoiler alert, killed off in Endgame. And then we get the Boo Hiss past version who's got nothing to lose. Scary Grimace. This is great. Like Killmonger. Uh, uh, not Killmonger. Yeah, Killmonger. Killmonger. Um, Killmonger, you, you know, you completely, again, you get it, you understand it. He's an insanely grey area villain. Beautifully played, fantastically written. But he still has those moments where he gets to be Boo Hiss. At that bit where um, the Dora Milaje, uh, Dora, he's taking out the Dora Milaje, and Nakia and uh, Shuri appear to attack him. And he just turns around and Michael B. Jordan, he just points that machete at them and he just gives this grin and he looks like the fucking devil. He's just like, yeah, and the mask just forms on his face and he starts charging at him and you're like, oh, we got to boo his villain moment with him. We get a really like nasty, he's the baddie, kick his ass kind he of is moment. The which is really, really cool. Um, yeah, I like, I like me some boo his baddies. We all like a good villain, Matt. We love a villain. Some some people even name their stories after the villains. By Jingo. Even as as inexplicable as that title may lead may lead to being. Do you think they can feel the segue happening? Oh man, I can feel the segue happening. Is this it? like that moment where you can hear the bus turn in the it's corner like, before it arrives at your stop? It's like heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the eighteen churros I just forced for oh, Okay, cool, cool. I wondered what that was. I didn't have any sandwiches. I just had some stale churros. Mm, still cinnamony though. Ooh, baby. Ooh. We're talking about it, guys. It. Uh, we're talking about uh, Stephen King's Stephen it. King's it, as it is stylized in the uh, in the nineties TV adaptation, which is going to be the main focus of this episode as we head into the second part of the modern update. Directed by Andre Machete, which is going to be in cinemas the he's day dra- after we record this. He's directing The Flash, don't you know? Oh, apparently so, yeah. yeah. Maybe. Touch wood. Um, so, we, yeah, we, we are going to see It Chapter 2 as part of a double bill. Yeah, by the time you hear this, night. we will have sat through It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2. It Chapter 2 is 2 hours and 45 minutes long. Yeah. So, 
we won't get out till next week. But, yeah, but <laughs> um, I'm really I'm looking forward to it. Despite, I'm looking forward despite to that it. mixed reception a couple of weeks ago from it's the screen. It's had mixed. It's had mixed reviews. I'm, um, I'm still excited. I think. I think it's. I think I think its strengths will be purely in the same place as some of the strengths of the previous adaptations. Second just, half, just this, which day, is in the casting. I've seen a two-star review from the Guardian, and then a like a, I think it was like a four-star review from Den of Geek. So you know, people are divided Mixed, on it. Yeah, well, it, it's it's kind of true to uh, going on from this point. Spoilers for the book, the TV miniseries, and possibly it chapter two. It, um, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of, there's kind of a common problem that the book has sort of less of an issue with. It's a structural The miniseries issue. definitely had. Yeah. And I can see that being the thing this has in its second half. Yeah. Which is ultimately, when separated, the adult portion of the story is not as satisfying as the kid portion of the story. Namely, in its conclusion. Yes. Because the kid thing feels like the fairy tale ending to a scary fairy tale of, you know, they vanquished the beast, but maybe it will come back. So they kept a watchful eye and they learned things along the way and they're wonderful. What a happy ending. They overcame the villain. And the adult version is, villain's still there. It's a spider. They're going to push it. They're going to push that spider. Push the spider over. Push it right over. Um, oh, and now it's dead, maybe, we'd think. Or, it's, no, it's definitely dead, but it's all. it, it almost, almost feels like an anticlimax because they managed to kill him, if that makes any sense. The notion of we defeated it, but we've got to come back if it comes back is more of an exciting conclusion than we killed it. Look, here's its heart. Yeah. And we're done. <laughs> weird. And now I'm going to ride a bike down a hill. Weird, weird, weird. With my comatose I, wife on it. But the the more I think about it, and the older I get, the more I see the thematics in it. And I know that some very clever and smart writers think that themes are for H-Rade book reports, but I'm here to say that themes are very important to stories. And... What you get with it is you've got this sort of idealised um, nostalgia sort of, sort of driven narrative and in, in story nostalgia driven like it's driven by the character's nostalgia sort of idealised version of their encounter with it as children. Not idealised in the sense that it was pleasant but there is the idea that everything was better because they were children. Yeah. Even to the even to the point where it ends better for them. And ends better ends. for the audience. Hashtag it ends. Hmm. Um so but of course when you get older you realise that that is not the case. Yeah. To the point that they, they actually just forget it. They all forget it. Yeah. They all forget is, what happened. Which I wonder how they're gonna tackle that in chapter two. How they're gonna display that. The the idea that they've they've moved on and, and it's it's almost like the first thing, the first one never happened. I imagine it'll be very similar to how it is in the book and in the TV adaptation, where it's just Mike making the call, because we know that they've shot new flashback stuff. Yeah, with the young cast members. With the young cast members. So I wouldn't surprise me if we do get the. Everyone gets a phone call. Everyone has a little flashback, just so you can cement that connection as the audience between who is 
who? Yeah. Cause so, that that cause... mental lining up of, here's your Billy. Yeah. Here's your Benny. Here's your Bev. Here's the other bees. All the bees. <laughs> All the bees. Everyone's bees. Everyone's bees. Betty Casper. Bee movie. Bitchy Toja. Do you remember Bitchy Toja? Yeah. Bike stayed bike stayed behind. I'm really looking forward to Bill Hader in it chapter two. I'm just putting that out there. Who Hader? Bill, Bill Hader. Hader. There we um, go. Uh, but yeah, so I think it'll be similar to <laughs> Where's Ban is Banley coming along? Where's Banley? Banley. We'll wait for him. Banley will show no, up soon. I don't know if Banley is coming along. Um <laughs> maybe you'll be like so <laughs> You do get that sense that um in a way, the, the story is sort of making a comment on itself with the way that it sort of anticlimactic because that's what adulthood is. It's a series of anticlimaxes. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it really is, boys and girls. Um, maybe that's just the cynic in me. I don't know. I think it's one of those works that you're definitely going to get more out of if as you read it at different times in your life. Um, I think. I mean, I think structurally, the book is the best way to ingest this story. Yes, because and not in like a you know, the book is better than this other. Like just from a point of view of like the intertwined storytelling of the book is unique to the book. The TV movie uses it. Uh, the TV movie TV miniseries does it in episode one, not so much in episode two. Like, yeah. the, like the 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 interlocking stories, like and again because of adaptation, they make it so that episode one ends with the conclusion of the kids' story. Yes. Uh, so that episode one has like a finale aspect to the last fifteen minutes. Yes. And then episode two ends with the adults' conversation, but because of that, the flashbacks in episode two to them as kids are fewer and further between, and are usually just incidental little moments rather than beats. That relate directly to Pennywise and, and the visions and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, like the only bit that's sort of left for part two, really, is we finally find out what um, Eddie and, and Billy were cycling away from. Like why that was happening in a flashback from part one. It's like Eddie had seen the mummy in the house mm. and it freaked him out and then they they drove off super quick. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> all right then. So odd. <laughs> like, okay, so let's get into. What's good and bad about the 90s TV movie? <laughs> cons. Cons. Um, Let's start on them sweet, sweet cons. Um, I think it's bad. <laughs> I think it might be bad. And it pains me to say it because nostalgia and the effect that it has, the, the sort of pop culture effect it's had. But I think it might be bad. I don't disagree. <laughs> But I also kind of feel I need to defend it a little bit. From yeah, that. I mean, I'm not going to take a dump on it because it does have a place, a special place. I think it has a special place in it the heart you of in a special anyone place. who likes horror movies in general and and has since a young age. Anyone who was anyone who was um, conscious of it when it came out. Yeah. So, like in the early '90s, it's just. It's got one of them iconic um, video was, shop covers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was aware of the cover long before I knew what it was. Because um, for me, it was one of those things where, again, uh, 
I would spot it in Blockbuster or when it first got a DVD release. Because it was, again, it was one of the earlier DVDs from Warner Brothers. Yeah, in one of those cardboard cases. Cardboard cases. DVD, yeah. Um, and then annoyingly later on, when it got reissued in a plastic case with a new BBFC logo and everything, it was still the same disc. So when I watch it, I have to put one side on and then flip the disc for the second episode. Well, you know, I feel like that might be because <laughs> they have a lot of them left over because I think it might be bad. Chris, Did you say that? But I think it might be bad. They've obviously shifted some of it because it, it got another reissue um, in 2017. Oh, yeah, of course. And a few months before the 2017 one came out on Blu-ray in early 2018, it got a Blu-ray release. Hmm. And I've seen somewhere, I don't know what region, but there is a box set of the two available somewhere. So there must be a deal struck somewhere to allow that to exist. Yeah. Um, what network was it on? Because it might be Warner Brothers owned. Could be. Could be. I'll have a quick look um, it up. But it it's, what, uh, it, that, that cover is... I mean, that cover is so iconic. I've just straight up ripped it off for the thumbnail. This oh, week. yeah. I mean, it's, it is... Like, horror VHS artwork is its own sort of art form. Yeah. And the, the simpler, the better yeah. as well. But, and, and, you know, the images of, of, of creatures and slashes and all that sort of stuff are burned into people's memories. That's that's what people think of. Poster art and VHS art. But the, the cover sort of just focuses on what is probably the best thing about the whole production, which is Tim Curry. Yes, sweet lord, yes. Um, I've got that tagline as well. The master of horror unleashes everything you were ever afraid of. And underneath, if, underneath that, in hidden white text that you can't see, specifically if everything you're ever afraid of is a clown. Yeah. <laughs> if it's a clown and dodgy stop motion. <laughs> there is some dodgy stop motion in this. There is. But it, but it, it is uh, Warner Brothers Television. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it is aired Warner on Brothers. ABC uh, on November 18th and November 20th, uh, 1990. I, but I think ABC's Disney now. It is now, yeah. yeah. Uh, originally, a four, originally planning a four-part, eight-hour series. So it would have been four two-hour episodes. George Romero was attached for a while. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, blimey. And then, but Tommy Lee Edwards ended up doing it, and Tommy Lee Edwards is notable for his relationship with John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. He worked on, he's worked on a lot of stuff with John Carpenter, most notably the original Halloween, he directed Halloween three season of the witch, um, which was the uh, the only uh, non Michael Myers starring entry in that franchise. When John Carpenter, as producer, wanted to pivot it towards an anthology series, didn't go well. Well, so Tommy Lee Edwards directed. Uh, let me find out. Sorry, I was just I was just very briefly looking up. Um, what do you call it? Uh, Jonathan Brandis, who plays the young Bill in it, who. Um, we lost in 2003. Yes. Uh, he's excellent. He's the standout kid of the kids that are cast in this. And Seth Green's in this, so you know he must be good. Seth Green's pretty good as Richie told you, but it, it is slightly distracting because you're like, that's Seth Green. That's Seth Green. That is Seth motherfucking Green. Guys. You know what I mean? This is just, this is 1990s sort of when he's, it was before he was a name. Obviously, because he was still a kid. But... He'd, been, he'd been in a fair bit of, yeah, of TV and stuff. He was starting to emerge as a, as a recognisable face. Uh, Tommy Lee Wallace also directed... Oh, Tommy Lee Wallace, not Tommy Lee Edwards. Sorry. No, sorry, sorry. Tommy, Tommy Lee Edwards is an artist. Tommy Lee Edwards directed season Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, Fright Night Part 2. Oh. Uh, he was the art director on Dark Star. 
Oh yeah, good job. Uh, and he edited the original Halloween and the Fog. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's got quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of the old quite a bit of the old pedigree when it comes to sort of the smaller scale horror stuff. Tommy Lee Wallace, not Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee Wallace. Is he, is he still with us? He is still with us, but he's not working. No. Last thing he did was he directed Vampires and Los Muertos. Again, another sequel to a John Carpenter joint. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Watch me a stranger. The Flipper TV series. You never oh. saw that. Flipper. So, you know, not a super, super well-known director. And he directed Max and... Headroom episodes. Oh, wow. That's some obscure shit right there. But he's got horror pedigree, so it's not, you know, out of his wheelhouse. And it's very... Um, it's, I mean, I think it's very well directed. There are some shots especially where it's like, that's impressive as sin. The bit where it's going around the Losers Club at the end of part one, where the camera, they're in the sewer... And they're joining hands and they're basically trying to fight it off by like saying, you're not real. We don't believe in the shit. Yeah. A good chunk of that is a single shot with stuff happening like around them. There's a bit where it moves around to Richie and the werewolf hands just sort of appear over his shoulder. Yeah, and yeah. It holds for a <clears> moment. <throat> like that stuff's really nice. And there's some really nice shots using the, using the locales and the sets. Like when you see, uh, when they go into the sewer as kids and Georgie's boat. Sorry. George's boat. He's he's only ever referred to as George in Not the Georgie. miniseries. Um, Georgie. Yeah, it floats. Apart from when Pennywise says hi to him at the start, he goes, Hiya, Georgie! He's the only one who says Georgie. Um, but yeah, the, when the boat's just sort of floating down this one lone, like, uh, little, little uh, flow of water in the middle of the tunnel. Yeah. It's very slim. The boat just comes down like the shot holds as long as it needs to because it's like, oh, that's creepy. Holy shit. As it gets closer, you're like, oh shit, that's the boat from when you went missing. I think... Oh my God. I think the main problem with it is <laughs> that by virtue of it being a TV production that's what, just around around three hours long, all in all? Yeah. Um, with with is... credits. Those credits are long. It's... Do, 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 Please. Do, do. Please, please no. Please don't. Please don't. Don't feel the need to do that again, Chris. Um, that's better. Um, so I, I think the the issue with it, by virtue of it being, or by not by virtue, but because it is on um, a network, because it was on network TV, because it's been squashed down, it's kind of been defanged. Yeah. Uh, uh, Henry it's... Bauer's friends, when he's about to knife Benny, Henry Bauer's friends are like, are you sure? Like, they're really hesitant. And then he doesn't do it. Like, yeah. Benny kicks him just at, almost as though they're really downplaying the idea uh, to anyone watching. Yeah, what he's about to do is really nasty. Like, so much so that even his friends are saying, that's I mean, to be, wrong, To be man. fair, they are hesitant in the book. Yeah, but in this, they almost they act are. like they're about to go, no, I'm not a part of this now. Yeah. It's, re- it's really odd. Like, the epic rock fight is... Very tame. Like, it, it, it feels satisfying in terms of, like, the way they defend Mike, but, like like I said, there's no... It doesn't feel like kids smacking for each some, other with chunks of rock. For something which has a reputation for being so terrifying, it is not I'll tell you where, very terrifying. I'll tell you where it came from. It came from Tim Curry. Well, that, but it came from kids staying up to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the thing in America, like, network television... You can't really get away with swearing, violence. Like, I was watching Kill Bill... I was in Florida in 2012, and I was watching Kill Bill Volume 2. 
it at like one in the morning. I couldn't sleep. I just whacked on the TV, low volume in the middle of the room, the corner of the room, and Kill Bill Volume Two was on. And they censored so much. Oh yeah, not a single swear word was in it. This is at one in the morning. Network television. It's because the way they do it is they all get a version of summer, and it has to be screenable at any time of day. Well, so we don't look have to worry at about things it. like the the liar liar TV edit. Yeah, oh God. Yeah. With yeah. All sorts of weird bad dubs and. And it means that it means that they can show these movies throughout the day. They can put them on at any time. Like Kill Bill wasn't on at one in the morning because it was an adult movie. It was on at one in the morning just because that's what was on at one in the morning. It probably would have also been on at nine the next morning, on the same channel. Like they they just show stuff all day long. So as a result, horror that is originated on television does not have a version where it can go as far as it should be able to go. And it goes... The book goes very, very far. And the first film does a really good job of, like, incorporating... Well, it does it with... The gore and the horror and the the shock factor of a lot of it. Immediately, with the Georgie sewer scene. Yeah. That iconic moment of the book and... The TV adaptation. Yeah. Is neutered in the TV adaptation by not seeing what happens to Georgie. Yeah, it is only suggested later, which I only really noticed on this rewatch, actually. You see George one more time uh, stood at the end of the tunnel in part two, I think? No, part one. When the kids are there and he's trying to ward them off, which is weird. No, no, hang on. No, he's trying to scare them and then he's going to eat them in part one. In part two, he's trying to ward them off. Yeah. Um... Because Pennywise is a pussy, and we will get into that. Um, he, You see George at the end of the thing, and he's wearing his raincoat, but one of the arms is empty. And that's mm. the only the only suggestion you get of what has happened to him, what, or what happened to his body that was found. Because that is it, isn't it? Like in, in the book, is he completely missing? And they find the arm? No, in the book... Yeah, he, he, his arm he's, gets torn off. He's and he found without out. an arm and he bleeds out. Yeah, and okay. Which, what, which, which the in, in the book you get uh, uh, Bill remembering in in sad detail how his father, how distraught his father was when their neighbor yeah brought George's body oh, to God. the house. Good lord! Because they found him bled out on a piss wet. Through street, so he'd just been left there to bleed he'd out. He'd just been no left one there to bleed out. In. One of the neighbors found him, mm. wrapped him up, and brought him home. But he was already dead. God, yeah. And it's the film adaptation. In that the film has him adaptation, go he has he got he, a uh, quote unquote, goes missing. But you see him get his arm torn off and then pulled into the into the um, into the storm drain, which is the oh the, god, yeah, because he earliest... his arm off, he crawls away without an arm, and then the, the arms yeah. come out of the thing and grab him and pull him into the, yeah. And it's the earliest indication that oh, this is an adaptation that is not pulling any punches. Yeah, like the opening scene um, has a seven-year-old's arm ripped off and eaten. This is horrifying. Yeah, and um, and you just get the sort of the toothy Tim Curry. Which, which is coming towards the camera. I will admit, it's, it's a, creepy a pretty image. creepy image. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and there is there is creepy imagery all over this TV adaptation, but there's nothing viscerally terrifying. There's no. nothing like unless unless you are chlorophobic, in which case you're going to shit your oh, pants. Yeah. The majority of part one, there is a lot of a scary clown in part one. There's a lot of scary clowns, um, but there's nothing like uh, like particularly grisly moments from. The book, something like, uh, 
Well, any of the girly boy. <laughs> God, any all the kids' encounters <laughs> with it are toned down. Or yeah, completely. Yeah, I mean Richie's. Um, what, what's Richie's? Richie's in the book. Richie's in in the book. Richie doesn't see it. Yeah. The first time Richie sees it. Yeah. Because he is. Because some of the drive-in movie, isn't there? Oh, 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 sorry, these two. So, Richie is attacked by a gigantic plastic statue of Paul Bunyan. Yes. In which, the book, which again which he doesn't not, admit to seen, until later on in the book. We've not seen the film yet. But, the but it looks there. like they're going to touch on that yeah. in part two. The statue's yeah. there in part one. Yeah. Um, um, and then later on, he go after the boys start sharing the stories of what's happened to them. This is before Beverly comes along. Um, then yeah, he Beverly's goes... with them almost from the very beginning in the the TV series. Yeah, like, they all meet in very quick succession. Yeah, it's it's, it's <laughs> very spread out in the books. It's it's still over one summer, so it's all over the space of like two weeks where they all meet up. But it. It feels more spread out. It's more episodic. Yeah. Um, which is why it would have been good as a longer TV series adaptation. Uh, and one of the criticisms I've heard about the about chapter two, the film, is that it's a bit episodic. But well, that's partly due to the structure of the source material. Um, so uh, yeah. So the the set this the second well, time the second time which he sees it, which is the first time you as a reader see him see it. Yeah, is when they go to he goes with Bill to the house on Nebolt Street mm-hmm. to look for Eddie's leper. Yes, and then they get chased out. Which in by... the miniseries is changed to a mummy. Yes, yeah, when he's bird watching, which is which is Ben's mm. story from the book, which is also missed out of the movie adaptation. It's also missed out, of the but movie. is referenced in the movie adaptation. Yeah. When they're beating the shit out of that clown at the end, and it briefly, when fighting Benny, turns into a mummy and starts yes. attacking with the bandages. And also, Stan is the bird watcher. In the book. yeah, God, they get they get changed um, around a lot, don't and, they? Uh, like, like another another summary for the new one. Mike is now the town librarian. That is in the summary for the new one. That's in the, the original, and it's like that's in the original. But in the book, if I remember correctly, Mike was the one who was starting to read up on things more. Um, supplanting the idea that he would become the librarian later on and in the film adaptation it's given to Benny as his habit well it's his hobby it's weird because Ben is big into the library in the book yeah but he's not like into the local history of the town yeah but in the book the local history aspect of Mike's um, story only really comes after they defeat it the first time yeah he gets handed down stories by his, right, by his dad. Dad, yeah. His parents are alive in the book. Yeah. Um, is and, it, and he gets told about things like the Black is Spot it his, Fire. Is it his grandparents who died in the Black Spot Fire in the book? No, in the in the, in the book, his dad yeah. is one of the few survivors of the Black Spot because Fire. Because his dad's the one who saw the big fucking eagle and he saw the grabbing people. Yeah. Um, oh, shit, yeah. For those who don't know, in the book, uh, at one point in the past... Pennywise appears as a giant bird and picks off people during a racist riot on a club. Yeah. But one of the other survivors... A racist riot that he planted through fear and paranoia over the preceding weeks by stoking the racism of the town. One of the other survivors... (laughs) Because, you know, dude's got to eat, but it's not laying breadcrumbs. One of the other survivors (laughs) of the the Black Spot Fire is Dick Halloran from The Shining. Is that mentioned in it? Yeah. Fucking hell. 
Oh, God. Is, uh, it's not mentioned in The Shining. The Stephen King cinematic universe, but boys and girls. A young, a young Dick Halloran is the same member of the army unit as Will Hanlon, yeah. Mike's dad, yeah. and helps him survive the Black Spot fire Jesus. in 1930. God damn it, Stephen um, King. So it's... So it's kind of yeah they've kind of mixed around all the 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 TV adaptation is more faithful to the various kids' interests and hobbies and habits yeah but it doesn't really preserve so the only sort of first encounter story that the show that the TV series preserves and it's also in the film because it's one of the it's definitely the most visually interesting of the uh, of the ki- of the various kids encounters with it Aye. is the sink the yes. one in the bathroom Beverly with the with the uh, the the sink and the and the the blood and the blood which and, it, which um... in <laughs> in in the the 2017 movie is just ridiculous. Yeah. It's just a fountain of blood. Oh, oh. while she's being held in place by tendrils yeah. of dirty hair. And and then going back to the TV <laughs> adaptation after that is just, is, is very tame. But, I mean, still spooky in the spooky. TV adaptation. Like, Because, again, like, we're talking about the network downplaying things. Beverly's dad in the miniseries is... Very much just a very possessive father, as opposed to the implied incestuous nature of, the, of his heavily family. implied incestuous nature in the twenty seventeen movie, well, especially again, My God. also in the book because in the book they they, they they lean on it a little in part two of the miniseries where yeah. she talks to Benny about the fact that every man she's ever got with since leaving Derry has basically been her dad, yeah, and she doesn't know why. And you kind of get the suggestion of, Christ, he really manipulated her from a oh, young yeah. age. But, that, that she would always circle back to settling with someone like that in her life. But what um, you get in, in... But in the film, it's like, oh God, he's he's like out and out saying he's disgusted by her looking more like a boy. But in the, and, and in it's the like, book, oh. you get a sense of it from the fact that his her, her mum is still alive. Yes. And lives with him. Oh yeah. And there's an exchange with him early on. Where I totally forgotten that. Yeah, where her mother asks Bev if her dad ever touches her, but Bev doesn't know what she means. Oh god! So there's a sense that she, her mother kind of knows that her husband is her abusing their daughter, or, the, or that he's like has not that he's a, not that he's that he is abusing her, but he has sort of desires down that way. Yeah. Because he is very possessive and protective and there is a certain but overbearingness. Beverly is his oh, property. Yeah. And that's how he sees their relationship. Yeah, I think so. And, oh. and they take it they take that particular aspect of the story further in the twenty seventeen movie. Which makes <clears> for a much more satisfying bit where she smacks him around the head with the lid of the Straight up kills him. Yeah. It's like fair enough. Yeah, fair um, enough. Because in the uh, correct me if I'm wrong, in the book, as in the miniseries, he passes away in the year she's no longer living in town. Yeah, because she learns of his death when she comes back. Because then you get that scene where she uh, she goes to the house. She, she has. Th- she thinks she sees. Kirsch. She thinks she sees. Yeah, she thinks she sees bu- uh, Marsh on the buzzer. Yeah, she buzzes it. This lady answers. Mrs. Kerr. She looks back at the buzzer and it says Kerr. She's like, Oh my god, I must have misread it. And you're like, Oh, that's creepy. She goes in. The tea's clearly blood. Yep. Her teeth are fucked up. 
She starts to talk in another person's voice. And then next thing you know, she looks like a shriveled up corpse version of her dad in drag. And then she legs it out of the house, turns around, the clown's in the doorway, basically shove it, shove it, throw another finger. And then she Again. turns away to run, turns back, and there's no clown. And the house she's just been inside is boarded up and clearly has not been touched in at least yeah. a decade. And it's like, that is spooky as fuck. That is creepy. That is damn creepy. And we're, we, we know we're getting a version of that scene. Because we saw it in the first trailer. Because it, it's, it's in the... Well, it's just like a two-minute section of that scene. Is it wasn't and, that, the, and then was a like montage the of clips. Yeah. Um, and then a montage of like, here's some other stuff that you might want to see. It's chapter two. Yeah. See in September, fuckers. And that's in, that's, that's in the book. Um, again, like a lot, so a lot, a lot of the, like the most iconic moments. Mm. A I lot mean, of the, the opening as well is obviously probably the most. Yeah. I mean, even the book covers. A lot of the covers tend to um, show something that represents the scene, the opening scene in the past with Georgie. Yes, my edition's like a. Sorry, I got the hiccups. My edition's like a two thousand three edition, and the cover of that is the edge of the sidewalk on a stormy night. The silhouette of the Nebot house in the background, assuming it's Nebot house because it's just a spooky house in the background. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the grid of the sewer, a pair of eyes in the grid, and there's a balloon um, string. Trail, yeah, I've seen that. Balloon one. string trailing out from it, and then the balloons on the back cover. Yeah, and it's like, oh, that's spooky. <gasps> yeah, Ooh. the storm drain is a, is a common feature. The two most common cover arts you get for the book are the the storm drain and the house on Nibolt Street. Yeah, the house on Nibolt Street as Pennywise's face is the cover I is the cover of my of the hardback my dad used to have. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah, so yeah. like an amalgam, like the house has the clown face with within sort of the, the doors and yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Gonna, I'm gonna find I'm gonna find it now. I've um, never seen many covers of it out in the wild, flat out with just Pennywise on the front, Ex- no. except for every issue after the first film came out. I've seen a copy of it. Yeah. It's like the silhouette of him in the dark, the dark silhouette of him in that poster. Yes. Um... There Actually, is... I might have seen at least one cover based on the Tim Curry um, poster as well. There is a Bill Skarsgård uh, cover version. That's cool. Um, which is just white with the red lips and um, red and... lips and lips and teeth. Um, yeah, that's quite cool. That's nice and downplayed. Yeah, you get like things like the. That's the one you mean, isn't it? No. Um... Oh no, that's mine. Uh, there. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, so that's like the the late nineties one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the late nineties one. That. Um, that's the one I remember seeing as a kid. The the one with the big red letters. I think that that must have been released after the TV movie because that's like the same red letters. Yes. The TV film, with just a grid and the uh, the sailboat on it. Yes. Um, um, yeah. But yeah. I mean, that's a cool one. <clears throat> Damn. What. There's one that's like a skull with uh, with a red nose and, and blue stars in the eyes. There there are some really, really haunting images in the novel that are, are maintained in the various um, various adaptations. And why do none of the books have a cover with a gratuitously detailed, based on a gratuitously de- detailed description... A uh, uh, picture of a can of turtle wax on it. That's what I want to know. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, the turtle. True, true that's fact. An interesting. True fact. The first seventy pages of the novel it are just a description of a can of turtle wax. It's true. That it's is a fact. fact. That not, is completely a fact. a fact. 
have to drink this water because my hiccups are not good. Yeah, I don't know what you've been doing to yourself. Um, but it... So, <clears throat> one of the things that's not preserved at all in either of the adaptations, as far as I can tell, having not seen it, chapter two, yet, is <laughs> the cosmic nature of <laughs> yeah it and what is um what it is the turtle maturing uh, the, the turtle helping the kids and that and how that ties into um the dark tower dark tower series stuff. andy machete has confirmed Maturing. That's the cover I just saw. <clears throat> that's cool. That, that's really spooky. It's the old, uh, that's probably one of the early edition hardbacks. Uh, Maturin is in chapter two, but he refused to say how and and, and how much of it. Hmm. So. Because, I, th- I think Mike's or Bill are going to hotbox and they're going to see yeah. a silhouette of a turtle in the stars but or something. That's going to be it. We mentioned the. Um... Unless they go really fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Well, we mentioned the the fact that the the ending is slightly anticlimactic, and in in the that what they've never been able to do so far, and I don't, I'll be interested to see how far they go with it in it chapter two is getting to the sort of the metaphysical nature of that final confrontation, mm-hmm. and because it's basically a battle in the mind between Bill and the entity that wears the face of Pennywise and <clears throat> sort of a psychic tug of war almost and um, it's it's not not really the kind of thing that you can do on film uh, at least not in, not in an effective way and what they do surely they could just chuck John Pertwee in, uh, in front of a fish-eyed lens in a dark room to fight a fish man yeah quite um you are battling my will, Doctor. <laughs> but it's what you get in the in the TV adaptation <gasps> is just a staring contest with a spider's balls with the, with the, with, the, with the, the underside the underbelly of a spider, and then they they push it over and pull its heart out. Well, no, they, they, kind no, of no, 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 no. To be fair, Beverly catapult bullseyes its testicles. Yeah, they. Witness their friend die, and yeah. then they chase after the whimpering, injured pussy spider. That's true. Push it over, kick it a bit, and rip out its heart. But again, you you feel the um, you feel the restrictions of the network because what ha- of of how Eddie dies? Because mm. what happens in the book is he uh, jams his hand into the spider's mouth. And triggers his his inhaler yeah. inside it with the belief that it's battery acid, which you get, which you do get in the in the TV adaptation because when they when they attack it as kids, he does the same thing. He sprays battery it. Acid, you, you call it battery slime. acid, you slime, slime, and then and he sprays it, it sprays and, it. and it burns his yeah. face and, and gives us what has a melty again, face. One of the iconic images from the miniseries of a clown with a melting yeah. face. And then he does it again in adulthood. He remembers. Yeah, jams it, jams it, it right in. in, 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 in Think he just does it in front of him. 
in front of the spider. No, no, he... In the miniseries. He just, he in just the miniseries, the he does, yeah. The, the spider freaks out, so it's like, oh, this still works, and then just grabs him, picks him up, and is clearly going to, like, throw him or eat him, and you never quite see, and then Beverly shoots it, and he drops yeah. him. But yeah, in the book, he shoves his hand right in the mouth of it and sprays it. Yeah, and it just bites his arm off. Yeah. And again, he bleeds out like Georgie did. Can we talk it's... about how Pennywise is a massive pussy? Uh, yeah, okay. So Pennywise is an ancient cosmic being that this one specifically feeds off flesh, preferably young flesh, and preferably the young flesh of someone who is fucking afraid. For yeah. either chem- chemical, spiritual, whatever reasons, that's what the taste is. It's not something he needs flesh. to do. He, 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 it's, it's a stated preference. Yeah. And he aw- awakes every 27 years, or in the miniseries, every 30 years. Uh, he wakes every Round 27 numbers. years, yeah, because George, George dies in 60, 60, and they go back in 1990. Um, yes. He, well, uh, he, no, he awake. No, in, in that, he's only just come back up. Yeah, because he, he's awake for about two or three years each really? stretch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, there we are. When that cares. He's cut short. By the kids. By the kids. Uh, that makes sense. Because, like, one of the cycles he comes back in 1904 when, when, like, a lumberjack massacres a bunch of people and then go and then sleeps again. And he is around and then doesn't go back to sleep again until 1906 when the Kitchen Ryan works explodes. Because mm. he's a person. Which, again, we, we don't hear about really in the adaptation. Oh, yeah, the miniseries. In, in the miniseries. But they talk about it in. The miniseries, they, they, the miniseries they, doesn't touch at all on the idea that he's been there before. No. Like, it doesn't touch on it at all. But they get it right into it in the film because they have Ben learning local history. Yeah. And the, and learns about the Kitchen Rhyme works and he sees the the headless boy, which, yes. is, which is what they replace <gasps> the mummy with. Which is a great freaking yeah. visual in the film. See, that's the, so that's creepy. The thing, that's the thing with... I get why they have to replace those... I I don't get why they have to replace a lot of those encounters. They're, they're all they're all they um, royalty free royalty free public domain yeah. designs, and but it's also uh, allows it structurally. You have to move them closer together rather than have characters tell long flashbacks and stuff. I get that. Yeah. So, but what the TV miniseries fails to do is it fails to one cap- of the things it fails to capture the horror of those initial encounters. Encounters, except for when. Pennywise shows up, and then it's creepy. Yeah. But everything prior to him going like, well, that was fun, I've just been fucking with you. Like Ben seeing his dad. Oh, that's eerie. It's eerie, but it's not scary. It, well, it's scary. I'd forgotten, re-watching it last night, I'd, I'd, for last, I'd forgotten about the green corpse that starts to crawl out of the, the water before he cuts back to present day. Yeah. That works to make it spooky in part two when he goes back there briefly on his arrival... And he sees his dad, unquote, stood there st- where he was 30 years ago in that vision. Yeah. But now he is the green corpse. And he's like, we've been waiting for you, son. Where have you been? It's like, oh, that's creepy. That's freaking creepy. But it would have been creepier had we not seen the green corpse before. Yeah. Had that been the first time we see it, it'd be like, oh, my God. He's pretending that, like, Pennywise is pretending that Benny's dad's ghost has been stood there just rotting away. For 30 years. That's creepy as but, but it's creepy as opposed to the idea of, you know, a headless 
child's corpse. Scampering around like scampering a freaking around. marionette possessed. Yeah in, in, yeah, in sort of weird, jerky stop motion. Oh, God, it's horrible. I love it. Um, That's a great image. So Pennywise, he feeds off of fear. Flesh that is full of fear is tastiest to him. It's just what he likes to eat. Yeah. The miniseries gets a lot of flack for him never really doing anything to them when they're kids. Because he doesn't. But he doesn't really. And it's because of network TV restrictions in part. But it's also, the miniseries, to its credit, in part two, and at the end of part one a little bit, makes a big point as to why. He waits until they're shitting themselves terrified. Yeah. And then eats them. And part of the reason why... Like, he does this is because he likes to just... It's not just these seven kids. Every... It's implied that every kid in town at some point will have seen something that freaked them out. Yeah. And that he keeps doing it to everybody because eventually he'll get someone so scared that he's like, right, that one's dinner. And he'll go after him and eat them. Or scare him one more time and eat them. Georgie... Georgie's just a quick snack. Yeah. He shits him up very... Like, in that moment and then bites part of him off. Um... Whereas the rest of him, he kind of takes his time. And that's why they've got so well, many George encounters is, with him. George is kind of an outlier because the other... George is sort of too young to really, I guess, grow fearful and paranoid the same way the old, like the older kids would be. So with him, it's just... Yeah. Boo! Ha ha! Chomp! <laughs> it's like, oh my well, God. Whereas get... the rest of him, it's like that slow torment. The fact that he keeps saying to him, like, you know, uh, come back. Like, we all float down here. All these little things, he's basically... He's, le- he's leaving breadcrumbs. Yeah. Um, and and it sort of it makes you realise because he goes he talks about how like you know uh, uh, like it makes them taste better and all this so you're like you know what I buy it it's not just the network restriction I buy that he isn't killing them every time he meets one of them the first time yeah because he's trying to build up and make it tastier for himself but it also highlights how unique this lot are because in a couple centuries of this happening now on this spot yeah um, this is the first group of kids that have actually had the confidence to share their experiences with each other. Yeah. Realise something's wrong. And the first thing they then decide to do is not, right, we need to all leave. It's, well, we've got to stop it. And that's that's the whole point. It's like, this lot are great. Like, this, this is an amazing bunch of kids. And that's kind of the point. It's, it's the bonds of friendship and love and believing in each other. Which also turns out to be his undoing. That's his weakness. If you don't believe in the the shit he's peddling, you're taking away most of what makes him a, a powerful antagonist. That tends to be... It, it, he's, he is the Tinkerbell of villains. Like, we don't believe in fairies. And he's like, oh shit. Oh, I'm actually not as effective now. I can still physically attack you. Yeah. But he is sort of almost at this point powered by his his own um, reputation powered by his own effect on them. Yes. And and the, the less they believe in him, the le- not like, a, I don't believe you exist. Just, I don't, fuck off. Like, you're not a, you're not a werewolf. Piss off. You're not a fucking werewolf. The werewolf's Which, not real. It, it weakens him to the point where he can be harmed. Yes. Uh, so when Eddie squirts him with the, with his inhaler and thinks, pretends that it's battery acid, it actually harms him. Like, it, it's like, oh fuck. That and hurt I, him to the point where he retreats. Like he think, shits himself and he retreats. I don't think which, either which the, the film does a great ones. job on because I think they were seconds away from possibly smashing his head in once and for all. Yes, and that's why he's like, <gasps> and all that crawling does his little flip into the well and gives that like <gasps> and disappears. 
Because it's like, oh, he's scampering off to die. And it's like, no, he's scampering off because he knows if he leaves it for another 10 seconds, he might actually die. Yeah. So he's going to get the fuck out of there, lick his wounds, and then come back when he's good and ready. And and it looks like the second film is leaning a little more on um, him willing for them to be back. Like, it looked, based on the trailer, yeah. like the whole, like, for 27 years, I dreamt of you. Like all that. It's like, oh... It looks like the film Pennywise is like, no, I want you to come back. I'm going to fuck you up so bad. Revenge for him. Yeah, whereas in the sequel, the second episode of the miniseries, and the way I remember it in the book, it seems a little bit more like he's warding them off. He's really tormenting them. Because, of course, as they all start to come back, they start to remember things. And he's like, he's doing a lot of like, it's your last chance, kiddo. Turn back and all this. In, and I think it's because he's fucking terrified yeah, that in, they're going to kill me if they stay here. And I think you get a better I've sense of it. I accidentally brought them back because one of the bastards stayed behind to keep tabs on me. Yeah. And they're going to kill me. And I think you get a better, better and sense. And that's why he fucks around with um, uh, uh, Bill's wife and stuff. Like he starts yeah. to... And why he gets Henry Bowers to go after them. Well, he does a couple of things. He he's gets, like, I can't, yeah, I can't hurt him down here, but you, you can, you know, it's yeah. like, oh my God. And he, he... I've got my theory that Pennywise is a massive pussy. He is, he is <laughs> definitely afraid. I and mean, you get a better sense of it in the book. He is, why he tries everything he can to break up the group. Hmm. Well, even further, because Stan doesn't come back. My, yeah, spoiler alert again, we already said that. But, yeah. but why he tries that. his hardest I to break up the group. I fucking love that. My first, my first, my first encounter with this story was the miniseries and when that I saw that for the first time I was like oh god yeah. I was like 10 and I was like of course of course he's killed himself of course he has it's horrific he doesn't want to go back there and then when I read it I was like because I knew it was coming when I was reading it I was yeah. like this is horrifying there's such a slow build to it in the book because mm. what makes it even more terrifying in the book is the fact that it describes his, it's from his wife's perspective yeah, and it describes their which, lives. Which the miniseries tries to sort of do a little yeah. bit with with that moment anyway, the way they play and it's, it. But it's yeah. just like having recount, you know, how well their life has got up to this point, to to where it eventually ends up. It's it's just heartbreaking. It's just, um, just, you get one happy freaking life. They are, uh, and the miniseries really sort of delights in this as a, as a little gag. They are like very sexually active. And, oh yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. It's like they they are you know. Because everybody in the mini by the miniseries uh, ages based on the settings, they're all in their mid forties. I think so. Yeah, yeah, because it's thirty years later. Yeah, in the yeah. So they'd they be in the mid mid to late forties each. Forty one, forty two, forty one, forty two. Around around eleven. Well, they're supposed to be around eleven or twelve. They, I think the kids are a little older in the miniseries. So, so I don't four, think I don't think it's 13, said, 14. but they are, they're all about fourteen, fifteen ish. In the book, apart, apart from apart from Bev and Ben, Bev and Benny seems to be the youngest in the miniseries because they're not all in the same classes, are they? They're, they're it's over. They're all supposed to be in the same grade, yeah, but they're not all in the same class. Um, the only ones I think we see in the same class together are Bev and Benny, yeah. Um, but they're also in the same class as Henry Bowers, who's clearly older than all of he, them. He's been kept back. Oh, well, there we go. There's a that. line. There is a line in the adaptation about you mm. don't want to get kept back again. Oh, and the teacher. But it's a lot him. clearer in the book where he keeps. He's been kept back before, mm. and the only reason he he has to do summer school over this summer, yeah, or he's going to get kept back again, yeah, and that's just another reason for his dad to kick the shit out of him, yeah. Which again, missed out of the miniseries entirely, yeah. 
like they don't go into Henry Bowers beyond him being a, a classic Stephen King bully, i.e., yeah. like the bullies you remember from school, but with knives. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh God. His, his his dad's worse in the book mm. because he he's not a police officer like he is in the film. Yeah, which was a nice touch. Where, I thought. Yeah, like, which sort of, him sort of abusing his authority. Yeah. In the in the book, he's a he's a farmer. Uh, but his farm's failing. He blames a lot of it on Will Hanlon because he's also super racist. Which is Mike's dad. Yeah, yeah, which is Mike's dad. He has a thing with... Who's like, not in whole, the film. Who's not in the film. His granddad's in the film yeah. because his parents died in fire. Yes. Not the black spot Not fire. the black spot, but it, it's alluding to the black spot in the way it's kind yes. of like... Yeah, their, their version of it, of, of events. Although yes. the black spot also still did happen in yes. the film because it's mentioned by Benny. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> so but so he's but he's just like generally abusive to everyone and mm. really really takes it out on Henry on Henry Henry Bowers young Henry Butch um, Bowers gotta say this considering the network limitations the n-word is whipped out three times oh yeah they love in that in the uh, in the TV they miniseries. love that there are some racism is a huge theme of um King's work. So like, it's, it was because of where he sets the books. It's in a lot of places where the, there was less sort of progressive attitudes. Well, Maine is is is, is north, mm-hmm. so it's generally more progressive than a lot of parts of America. But is writing either like in the seventies where race was still a hot button issue, but it's it's sort of always stuck with him. Like he's always got there's always some element of racial tension in his in his work. Mm. And I say not always. You don't really get it in his early works, like *Carrying the Shining*, but you you, you do get it. I think it's, as, it's, it's as more the, the thing of he's like, this is still something that happens, so I'm going to highlight it within the book. Yeah. As he, make as sure he that creates, people are like, oh, that's gross. So I can be yeah. like, yeah, it is, isn't it? Fight against it in real life, dudes. It, it tends to be that one of his villain out. His villainous characters all <laughs> tend to have a um the peace sign and flies away. <laughs> his his villainous characters do all tend to have a tendency towards racism. No, he throws up the peace sign and then leaps stop motion styly into a Let small grid in the Let middle it go. of the floor. Let it go. Um Pennywise is a pussy does not mean he cannot be pretty damn entertaining and sinister. Yeah, I mean highlights Curry, from the miniseries. Yeah. Highlights of the miniseries. Anytime Tim Curry opens his mouth. God damn right. Um, the photo album. At the, the two photo albums, actually. Because there's the one at the beginning, after George has died. With a bleeding photo. And Bill's looking at it. Yeah. And the, the picture of George. And this is so... Actually, do you know what? This is a scary moment. Where he's looking at the album, and the picture of George just winks. And he drops it. And it's so well yeah. executed. Yeah. He drops it, looks at it. That's the scary bit. What happens next is creepy, but that's scary. And that's like, straight out Whoa. of the book as well. And because the, the photo just starts to bleed. Yeah. And it like goes all over the book. And that's the first instance you see in the TV uh, miniseries of people not noticing anything weird. Because his mum and dad come in after he screams. She picks up the book. She's like, what's wrong? And he's like, it's, it's covered in blood. She's like, what are you talking about? And yeah. The hands are caked in it and she can't see it. But and that's, that's uh, in terms of like plot, plot beats and set pieces the miniseries adaptation is actually surprisingly it's more or less all there 
Yeah. More or less. The opening's different. Um, the opening is a, yeah. a little girl getting attacked on a lawn, but that that's there to establish the idea that it's Mike, Mike, Mike is yeah. Mike is still in town. Yes. And he he recognises what this is. Um, um, as opposed to, obviously, the way the book opens, which is with uh, the, 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 attack the, the guy on that's... Mel. Well, it's, it's Adrian, the... He's, he's older, isn't he? He's a young adult. Yeah. So it, it's... I guess the TV movie's making the point of being like, we're setting up the premise of there's a killer clown that attacks and kills children. Yeah, going for children. Um, um, whereas the book opens with him attacking and killing an adult. Um, but also... So I do get that. But it looks like we're getting a version of that scene, though. Yes. In, um, we are. In chapter two. But it, uh, but also, as we've said before, uh, faithful adaptations do not good adaptations make. True. Um, Very true. So, yeah. Very true. That, that, is, that is a good moment, straight from the book. The other photo album. Yes, this is, is freaking terrifying. Basically, whenever you get Tim Curry monologuing and gurning, is is pretty good. I'll kill you all. I'll drive you crazy, and I'll kill you all. I am every nightmare you've ever had. I am your worst dream come true. <laughs> if your like, worst dreams are clowns. If your worst dream is a clown in a photo yeah. album talking to you. If, Again, the way that shot is executed is great. Like, they're just looking at a photo, because that's where they start to look briefly at the history of Older Derry. Yeah. And that's as far as it goes. I they think that is it. George's album, though, as well. Yeah, they look at it, and uh, it's the, te- the photo starts to move. Harry Potter style. And there's this clown in the back of the photo who starts to sort of waltz into shot, and then he's waving at people, and then he waves at them. And then he gets nearer the front of the photograph. Yep. And then he fucking jumps up the lamppost in, in, a, in a pretty well executed jump scare, actually. Just jumps up the lamppost in the foreground of shot. Starts talking directly to the kids and then reaches out of the book at them. And it's like, oh my god! Which I, I guess got adapted in the 2017 movie as the, as the, the slideshow. Uh, the slideshow sequence, yeah. yeah. Um, Again... Faithful adaptation yeah. does not a good adaptation make. But that moment's pretty damn sweet. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty damn That's sweet. That's true. Uh, oh, God, what else with Tim Curry? I mean, everything with him, really. Just the way he delivers the lines. Uh, the amount of fun he's clearly having. Like, doing everything he's doing. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The little bit bits I really like are the bits where he's just subtly dubbed over another character. That they're suggesting is either him or a hallucination he's making people see. Well, they do it with Ben's dad. Yeah. And, and, and do it? the guy at the gas station when, uh, what's her name? Is Audra. it Audra? Yeah, when she pulls up and she's like, excuse me, how far am I from Derry? He's like, it's about 500 yards that way. She's like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, well, 500 yards to the, um, what's the opening in the sewer called? Uh, the Barons? Yes. 500 yards to the Barons, where they used to play when they grew up. And as he says uh, that, yeah. Tim Curry's voice is also in there. And she sort of looks at him like, uh, right, what? Okay. And then she's going to pull away and that's when he makes a turn back and he hits her with the deadlights. Um, and then presumably bags her up and takes her to a sewer after a long walk. And sure, why not? Pulls her through that tiny hobbit hole door and then turns into a giant spider and then sticks a web into the ceiling. Another great creepy moment <laughs> that just reminded me of. Belch getting pulled into the pipe. That is great. That's really that good. That is really good. Um, because it's, again, it's establishing rules within the miniseries condensed version of it all. Yeah. Because that's what helps them realise later that he has to be physical to feast. He has to be in a physical yeah. form to actually feast. And the clown seems to be like the only recurrent 
physical thing that is there and tangible. It's the one he likes the most. Yeah. So when they go to his home, that's when they see him as a giant spider. They're like, right, he's going to eat in here. We can hurt him because he's yeah. real. Even though he makes a point in his creepy little um, wall projection of being yeah. like, you, you can't... He, in, in much cheesier words than this, he basically says, like, you can't fathom what I look like. Yeah. You, you, it'll drive you mad. You don't like, have the effects budget for it. Yeah. Good luck. It's... Turn back now. And it's like, you big fucking pussy. You big pussy. Yeah. You pussy. You He's know that they can kill you. everything to yeah. get him to, to scare him off and it's just not working anymore. Yeah. Because the, the way the TV movie makes it out to be because of that isn't that what you're seeing is just what their minds can comprehend. It's, no, that's just what he looks like and he was trying to scare them off with the whole, yeah. like, you've driv- driven mad. He's not wrong entirely. The deadlights do start to drive you mad. Yeah. But that's the deadlights in the belly of the giant puppet spider with six legs. So technically an insect. <laughs> um, although it does have two little human-like arms near its head, so I guess those are also yeah. legs. Eight limbs. Eight limbed beast. Yeah. Um, uh, a poor man's Edgar. A poor man's Edgar. <laughs> it's a poor man's Edgar. Edgar. Uh, Every Edgar is a poor man's Edgar. It looked like Edgar, but it wasn't Edgar. It's like someone was wearing Edgar. Like a... Egg egg <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so that's so that's really good. Uh, uh, again, it's establishing the idea of the physical thing, and it's, it starts with the the, the, the tube where they they drag um, yeah. Belch, Belch into it because it gets just the deadlights. He sort of slips into a trance. He gets pulled in backwards. Yeah, and his arms and legs like fold outwards as he goes in. Just literally just folds him in half. It's creepy, but there's not. But what makes it even creepier is there, there isn't any like cracks nope, or no squelches. He just goes in. There's just that overwhelming like whoa, yeah, the sort of pulse of the, of the deadlights. It goes to the end, and then briefly you see a shot from the entrance of that tunnel where it's burst down it yeah. as the light disappears, and you can just see something on top of him. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, that's really horrifying. And then Henry and Stanley are like, right, let's get out of here. Because again, in that one, it's it's the whole thing of Stanley's the one who gets nearly stabbed up and yeah. then and then nearly eaten. Um, really emphasizing that, yeah, he he's clearly the one who is not going to go back. Well, um, and you you also get um, you also get Henry's hair turned white. Yes. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, like, they start to leave, and then the light starts up again and travels down the tunnel, and that's when it gets Henry. Yeah. But it's that whole thing of, like, that stab, that sets up the rule that's explained later of, oh, yeah, it had to become physical in some way to feast, because it ate Belch, and then it came back out. Like, the light dragged him away, and then it was something. Yeah. And then the light came back to come for Henry. Um, And, I mean, it's, you know, it's cool, but it ain't no... It's cool and creepy, but it ain't no Patrick Hoxter attacked by a fridge full of leech leech flies. Oh, shit! They did they did Patrick Hoxter in the film, in the but film, it didn't but it do... wasn't leech flies. It was just it was just zombie kids. Yeah, and then a balloon popping. Yeah, mm. which I thought was still quite effective. But it was cool, but you know, the fridge full of leech flies. That is a horrifying sequence. The TV movie does get some nice sort of iconic visuals that are spooky and creepy and unnerving. Yeah. I think unnerving is the most consistent yeah. vibe as the Chinese restaurant, like the fortune cookies, that stuff is unnerving. Yeah. It's especially when you see the last one, Bill's hasn't quite cracked yet, and what looks like sort of a tarantula's leg starts to come out of it. Yeah. And that's when they're like, yep, yeah, like we've got to go. And, and they leave. And it's a nice little hint that 
later yes. on. Um, and that's that's in the book. So yeah, that's... and will hopefully be in the film. We know I... the Chinese restaurants in the film. The press they've been doing this past week, like the junkets. Yeah. The junket sets haven't just been them on a couch in front of a poster. It's been them sat opposite the well, whoever's interviewing uh... them at a table in the Chinese restaurant. Interesting. So I'm like, yes, that scene that's is neat. definitely going to be in the goddamn they movie. They are throwing some money at the press for this because they know it's going to do well. Oh, God, yeah. Or they're hoping it's going to do well. I think it will. Um, the reveal of Stanley's... Uh, well, no, the reveal of Stanley's death and then Stanley talking to them a moment later yeah. is pretty great in the library. That's like, awesome. They, they've left the restaurant. They've all been spooked and freaked out, but they're kind of calming down a bit. Richie and Eddie are still toying with the fact that they're going to go home the next day. Like, yeah. yeah, this has been nice, but we're not doing this. We're going home. Yeah. Um, and and Bill and Bev and Mike and uh, uh, Benny. Benny's thinking about it, but he's mostly still like on the thing of possibly staying. Yeah. Um, also, can we just but, say? Well, Richie and Eddie calm down, and the jokes start flowing, and then they get the phone call. Can we just say John Ritter? Yes, John Ritter. Yes, we can say John Ritter. We'll come back to John Ritter. Carry on. And I'm going to say it. He gets a lot of stick for other stuff. And he can be very irritating. But Andy Dick is pretty damn great in this, is Eddie? Yeah. No, I like Andy Dick. He's believably a tragic, like, repressed, sad guy who's been held back by his mother for his entire freaking life. Which is another another minor difference from the book. In in the in the book, he's married, he's, he's a married but, man. But his, but his wife's very much like yeah, his mother. He's basically married his mother in the way that Bev has basically married her father. Yeah. Um, but I do like that it's the mum in this because they do a really nice job with the act. Like she's clearly older. She's yeah. clearly old enough to possibly be Andy Dick's mum. But then when you see her in the flashback, it's the same actor, and they they only change her slightly, but it's like, no, I believe that that is a 30-year difference for that same lady. She's always sort of looked like an older woman, but, like, in that way where some people are quite young can look like a comedy old person. Yeah, Some some people are just born old. (laughs) Tommy Lee Jones, for example. Tommy Lee Jones was born a 60-year-old man um, and has only got older since. (laughs) (laughs) Like a California raisin. (laughs) Um, That's a great description of Tommy Lee Jones. But then, like, the fridge opens, balloons pour out, and yep. Stanley's severed head has a conversation with them and basically just roasts them for a minute. I watched that scene earlier. That, that effect holds up quite well. And then it's a simple, um, like, flatboard and, and neck neck appliance. Yeah, it's not like, like, it's not rocket science, the kind of thing you can do on a TV budget, but it, it looks quite nice, though. And Eddie, how's your sex life? What's your sex life? <laughs> it's just like, oh, it's so it's yeah. mean and horrible. Why is it? Why does it hate? Why is it so mean? Benny yeah. says later on, it's like that's not that that's not, a bit shit. Not so not <laughs> so keen. Not so keen on on Bev in the in the in the miniseries. She's not great. Neither Bev is particularly standout in the miniseries. Really, the actors no. do fine. But you really admire how well um, Sophie or Sophia? I can't. Sophie, Sophie Lillis? Lillis? I think it's Sophia. Sophia Lillis, how well she does in that first movie. She's fucking great She's in bra- that. The entire kid cast of the first film are incredible, and I can't wait to see what they contribute to part two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Bev, especially, I think is sort of the breakout of the first She's movie. So good. Followed very closely by Eddie. Um,. Jack uh, Dylan Glazer, is that his name? Is it Jack? It's something Dylan Glazer, yeah, I think it is Jack Dylan Glazer. He's great. 
Although don't watch any press of him doing uh, doing Junket or press for Shazam. Because it's like, I admire you as a performer, but I think you might actually be really irritated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which one of those where it's like, oh no, they've... Ma- what they do in these movies is they've channeled yeah, what makes you quite unique and, and interesting and packaged it. Whereas unfiltered, you're really annoying. <laughs> Mm. And Zachary Levi is the patience of a saint. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there is that. But like, uh, yeah, but I do like how he taunts them when they're adults in the miniseries. The problem yeah. is it's it's so few and far between. It's just these little moments. But when they happen, they're great. Well, you've got to fit in a bicycle montage. Oh, God. But like when, when Bill arrives into town and the first thing he does is visits George's grave because I really hope they do this in the movie. He doesn't remember his younger brother. He doesn't remember George. And they do that really well in the miniseries. Yeah. Like, he gets the phone call. And as soon as he's off it, he's like, how could I forget George? Like, how could I forget him? And he realises, like, is something wrong with me? What is this? And the first thing he does when he gets back to Derry is he visits George's grave. Well, he... And he hears a, d- a digging sound. And to the right of it, yeah. Pennywise has dug up seven graves. That's a good image. Again, one of them. More of Tim Curry being the MVP. Because he's like, how are you doing? Blah. Bubba, bubba, Billy Boy. It's, it, it's the moment where he, he, he sort of knocks his jaw back. His yeah. back. That's great. And he, he talks about, like, you should turn back and all that. And then he says, like, oh, there's a place for you here, too. And then he's like, well, not that one. That one's already taken. And one of the seven graves is already filled with a cross stuck into it. And then, like, he sees it and he goes, like, I'm not afraid of you. And Pennywise, like, laughs. They turns away, turns back, and none of it's there. Yeah. But then when he's catching up with Mike later, he starts to talk about it. And you realise, again, through just the subtlety of, of the performances in that moment, he doesn't remember that he's just seen him. He does not remember that he's just seen Pennywise. Because he's talking to Mike, he's saying, like, I think I remember what you're talking about. Something about a clown. It's like, oh my god, how potent is this, like, this sort of, this curse of Derry? I don't he's think... He's just seen him, and now he's forgotten him. I don't think that's intentional. I think that's just poor editing. Maybe. But it works. <laughs> it really yeah. works as a creepy actor. Because it's only mm. later on when they're around the dinner table, like halfway through the meeting dinner is when Eddie suddenly remembers, oh, yeah, there was a clown. Like, he suddenly remembers that he knows mm. there's something, but he only remembers he's a clown when one of them says Pennywise. He's mm. like, oh, God, and he starts to ha- he starts to hyperventilate and freak out because he can now picture him. And it's like, oh! Yeah, that's, that's rough. That's I mean, that's just creepy. The way, the way he taunts um, Richie in the library is brilliant. <laughs> Which is my favourite line to quote from the whole thing. <laughs> Excuse me! We know. <laughs> it's, just, it's great. It's, oh, that's that scene is wonderful. Also, it is. It is the covers wonderful. to all of Bill Denver's books and the titles, but especially the covers coupled with them, are all references to stuff from his childhood that he obviously doesn't quite remember. Yes. And again, that's something that is yeah, it's, it's, it's he's played on more in the book. This they, they give it like a, a moment of visual lip service in the film in yeah. the TV series, but they don't dwell on it. But he just sort of is looking at the stuff for a moment, and there's no there's no music sting. There's no like wait a minute or anything like that. It's just there. But you look at all the covers and you're like, right, well that's the deadlights. Right, well that's the house on Nebolt Street. Yeah. That is definitely inspired by a fucking clown being involved in some yep. way. Like, oh my god, Bill, you don't even realise, dude. Um, um, oh my god, the main character of this story is a 
a novelist. <laughs> oh god, and Stephen he looks like King Stephen King story. with a ponytail in this version for some reason. Uh, the ponytail is really upsetting. It is. It a is lot really of the stars. Are as, really as a man with a ponytail, that is an upsetting ponytail. <laughs> it's because you don't have a giant sweeping ponytail oh, that looks man. incidental. That's the worst kind of ponytail. The kind of ponytail where you're like, you don't need that. The way you're wearing that, I could just snip that off and you'd instantly look better. I think he's balding in the book. I don't think he has the ponytail. Probs. Now he's McAvoy. Now he's salt and peppering. Yes. McAvoy, I, I hope, I've not seen enough footage to know whether or not they have, but I hope they don't do what they do with McAvoy in a lot of films and like dye his hair and stuff. Because when you see him on Junkets, his salt and pepper hair and beard fucking suits him. I don't think he's got a beard in this. He's got... Like a bit of five o'clock going on, any? But I mean, like, it's all of a bit of his, his natural, going on by the end of it. <laughs> his natural hair, even Beth, his natural hair is salt and pepper. And dude, you look tasty. Don't change it. Mm. Um, mm. Definitely don't go bald ever again for any role. <laughs> what you do, the films just get steadily worse. Um, so it's an oh, omen. God. It's a goddamn omen. I was talking Richie. My favourite is when he taunts Benny. Because that's horrible. Oh, the, Bev comes to the hotel that's room. So it's it. it oh, Bev see, comes, it's horrible, to, Bev comes also, to his hotel room. It's so camp. Though. Yeah. Oh, it's camp as Christmas. Oh. Bev comes to his hotel room, and the thing is, he's doing it. it it's sinister because he's doing it to distract Ben, like from the fact that one room over, Mike is being attacked by. Um, Henry Bowers. Good old Henry Bowers. Like he's doing it to distract him. And it's like, oh, that's actually really horrible. But it, like, Bev comes into Benny's room and is like, I've been wanting to talk to you about something for a while. Like, you know, since we got all met up last night, I've wanted to talk to you about something. And she starts to quote the poem, and it's the first time that gets brought up in the second half. Yeah. And she's like, it was you, wasn't it? And he's like, I thought you thought it was Mike. And she's like, no, I always knew it was you deep down. And they kind of have Bill. a moment. Uh, Bill, sorry, yeah. They, they kind of have a moment, and then they start kissing and making out, and then they embrace. And Benny looks in the mirror, and he looks at the back of Bev, and from the waist down, she's in giant yellow fucking trousers with big red clown shoes. And he backs away, and you just oh, see Pennywise, God. makeup smeared all down his mouth, going, Kiss me, fat boy! And it's, it's like, so this is calm. brilliant and hilarious and only slightly creepy. It's way more funny than it is creepy. But he backs away and and and, and um, what's it? Um, John Ritter has got like massive red and white makeup smeared. No, down he looks his in face. the mirror. He's got the white, he's got the red and white on his face. Yeah, oh, he's got it there, and he, and he has it in that next shot. Yeah, yeah. And then he looks back, and Pennywise laughs at him. And he runs to the door, and he turns back. Pennywise is gone, and it cuts back to to Benny, and there's no makeup on his face. And he sort of like rubs his face, and he's like, yeah. it's, that stuff's edited really well. I, I like how he starts to fuck with him. Yeah. Because um, then it adds that really nice moment in the next scene where she's actually trying to have a, mo- a moment with him, and he's like, "Damn it, Bevers, it's you're the clown." You are the clown. And it's melodramatic, but you're like, "No, I, I it's totally see so why you're melodramatic. I totally see why you're paranoid. Like, you just not, you just made out with an evil clown. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course you're paranoid. You made out with an evil clown, and you enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Leather waistcoat. You, fuck, you fuck that clown. <laughs> you fuck that clown. You fuck Pennywise. Leather waistcoat and all the fucking denim in the wardrobe. Oh, right, but you bet your fur and he's wearing all the it. denim in the wardrobe. Fur, you bet your fur. This is fur, it's it's fur. Oh, you bet your fur. You bet we, your fur. We used to say that when we were kids. You bet your fur. You bet he, your he fur. He refers to himself as it he used, to, he used to be a real butterball. He did. Uh, and it's like, all right, you, you're currently trying to have sex with this woman. Maybe stop telling her about how you were a fat boy <laughs> as a child. I'm sure 
Sure, it's not the most erotic thing you could be presented to. Dialogue that they've taken straight from the book that works better in the book because in the book he's delivering it to his uh, the bartender at his his weekend regular. Yeah. After he's in the midst of downing an entire stein of whiskey. The movie short and of course here being um, we want to show that he's successful. He's successful and and, uh, playboy. Yeah. Um, He's he's successful in in mm. the book but the playboy element's not there. Yeah. It's no, it's um, it's, yeah, I'm yeah. It's, a lot, a lot of a lot of the the, the setups are a little samey in that here they are, they're doing really well financially, and here's this one, they're doing really well financially. They're all sort of either heads of companies or projects <coughs> or or co-heads of an organization. Well, or, I, that's it's like Eddie runs a, if I remember correctly, the, the TV series doesn't explain this. But you see him drive away one of them. In the book, Eddie Co runs a limousine company. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I only remembered this because in the miniseries, he leaves the house, like, says to his mum, and he's going, I've got to go back to Terry. It's a really weird line delivery. And and he gets in in, in a car, and it cuts to the guy in the front. He's like, well, Eddie, what's, what's with the rush? And he's like, oh, I've got to go, just go. And it's like, okay. So, oh, are they friends or something? And they pull away. And, and the shot, like, fully pulls out. And it's like, it's a limo. Why is it a limo? Because it was a limo in the book. What the hell? And <laughs> then it hit me. I was like, yeah. oh shit. Oh yeah, he ran a limo company. Okay. Um, uh, Benny's an architect. Ben's an architect. Bill's a novelist. Bill's a, Bill's a novelist and currently uh, co-screenwriter on, on, a, on a film? Adaptation of one of his books. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, Stan is... It's so weirdly transparent, made know, even right? more so by the fact that they make him look like Stephen King, but with a ponytail. It's really weird. Um, it's really freaking weird. All the credit to them, they give uh, both uh, Bills the mole that the older actor has got on his cheek. Uh, yeah, I suppose. He's got like, a little mole on his cheek. Um, but, um, uh, Stan's an accountant. Richie Stan, is... Stan is an accountant and getting laid every night with his wife. Indeed. Uh, He's a horny accountant. He's an accountant who's sexually gratified. They don't exist. <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a sec. Um, Bev is a fashion well, designer. something more than numbers. Um, Bev, is fa- Bev is a fashion designer. and I can't remember if it's, this is the case in the book. With her partner? She's married in the book, uh, isn't she? Yes. In this, they're not married. They're not married, but they are business partners. Yeah. They're both in both. Yeah, um, but she's very—he's very much the let me do all the talking. You're yes. just a pretty face because he's so. rampantly misogynistic and incredibly, incredibly abusive. Um, Eddie on the limo firm, and Richie is a—he's a radio DJ with known for his comic voices in the book, book. and he's a stand-up comedian in the in the. They're going back to the DJ for the uh, film, I believe. He's Good a DJ. Um, I mean, I think I think it works as a shorthand again for the miniseries. It's just like yeah. here he is; he's, he's a successful comedy uh, performer, and all that yakking around he did as a kid has worked out, and it's it's become his profession. And still racially insensitive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. but you know that's how it goes, isn't it? <laughs> that's but, how it goes. Again, they make more of a thing of it in the books—the idea that all of them went on to be successful after mm. they left. Yeah. And the almost, only one who hasn't... A, almost a way to get them to not come back. I'd never thought of it that way, actually. But also... Like, the, the way the cosmos has sort of lent has been toward, like, giving them a, a reason... No reason to ever return. And even though some of them are married, they've never been able to have children. 
which, yeah. they, which they go into with Stan. Yeah, and they do because that because they've actively been trying to have children yeah. and are frustrated that they can't. They do. They touch on that, not Stan specifically, but they touch on that in the miniseries. Yeah, that the reason they've never. Like they start to suspect the reason they've never had kids is because they don't want to bring their kids into the world where this sort of shit is happening. Yeah, and but there, there it, is it's like like just on a biological psychological level, their bodies go. Are you fucking kidding me? You want to create food for that for the clown? Yeah, don't do it. But there is the implication that their success after <laughs> they leave Derry because Mike is... at the end is like um, uh, several weeks now, and because Mike's like I only remember everything that happened in the last few months. Because I wrote it down in this diary. Yeah. And he's like, uh, a week later, Benny and, and Bev moved in with each other. Two weeks later, they got married. And a month later, she's pregnant with their first child. You're like, that's one of the curses of Derry Broken. You're like, fuck, they, got, they did that quickly, didn't they? Well, it, and it, yeah. We just it, met up again. In the book. Shall like, we have a family? In the book, they just drive off together. Yeah. Or is but it then, it's like, because it's, everyone t- starts, it's a network TV ending. Because everyone starts forgetting again. And they're going to remember who each other are. <laughs> oh, God. Because even Mike starts forgetting in the end. Yeah, which again, which the mini, miniseries yeah. touches on the, the book he's kept, which we, we visit occasionally throughout the second half. Yeah. Um, the book he's kept is the only reason he remembers it. And he remembers them. And he, he, it's the thing that remem- reminds him to call them and see how they're doing. I think so. I think... The, the, the notion being that over time they're probably all now going to stay. Say all the four living ones are probably now all going to stay in touch. Oh, five living ones, five of them alive. I think it implies as well. I can't remember. If it's been so long since I've read the book, but I think it. it he says as he's writing his the last entry that you read in the book mm-hmm. that the book's fading, like the words. Prior yeah. To so not only is his memory fading, but everything he's written is fading as well. I can't remember if that's the case. Some spooky cosmic shit. Yeah. Spooky cosmic shit that is part of the kind of the dark foreboding tone that exists across the whole version of it, be it the book, be it the the miniseries. The idea that, like, we are bearing witness to something that the cosmos is like, this should be forgotten. At first because it's part of, like, the curse, as it were, but, like, now that he's dead... It's almost like the universe is correcting itself by going, there's no need to dwell on this anymore. No. Like, you're going to drive yourself insane if you try and figure out what the hell all that was about. And you know what, I think... I think the adapt- the miniseries adaptation fails in its in the biggest way by not leaning into that enough. It's not dark enough. Yeah, again, could be because of the network um, lean to make like, it a... It doesn't look dark drama. enough. It looks too bright. It's too much of a TV production. Yeah, yeah. Shit, yeah. Down to the down to the, the Pennywise like, design. I think there's only like two scenes at night time even. The Pennywise design is iconic. Mm. But it's he too d- fucking bright. He definitely looks more like a clown that would attract the attention of a child in yeah. the miniseries. But it it's a, it should be a silver suit with big orange buttons. That's how it's described in the book, isn't it? Yeah, that's how it's described in the book. Silver suit, big orange buttons. And they they do a neat approximation of that in the... 2017 movie. film. Like, like the, the, the sort of Victorian fairground clown yeah. kind of outfit that's faded to like a grey, silvery colour. And yeah. his buttons are definitely sort of like a red to match his face paint. What they also do... What they don't do in either adaptation is they don't have it so that the the silver and orange motif carries over into each of his forms. Yeah. 
Like the yeah. leper. Yeah. The leper in the book is wearing the clown suit under his like filth encrusted jacket. Mm. And the uh the bird that Mike sees has silver plumage and it has orange orange spots on its tongue. Um, stuff like that because yeah, because they they, they, they they briefly do it in the the miniseries when Benny's the the vision of Benny's father standing near the Barons, uh, calling to him with every successive shot back to him like he has a, a couple more of the pom poms. Yeah, on the, the jacket. Has, first he's holding the balloons, then he has the pom poms, um, and, and then, then the next time he looks back, it's just straight up yeah. PW, straight up P- P- Pussy Willow the Clown. <laughs> P when it P wins. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I mean, I, I, I have a soft spot for it, but I think it's bad. How? And I dare you make an accurate. Assumption. I can't, in all good faith, suggest that someone in this day and age who has not seen it search it out. I can't because it's bad, and that's but enjoyable. It's iconic. I'm trying to find some... Uh, and it's campy fun. Fan interpretations of the book but design. But it is bad. It is bad. Here's one. Here's one that's uh, on Tumblr, apparently, by Alien Rat. That's a, an no, interpretation that's of the book design. Sort of got spots above his eyes, which kind of... Get hit at the hint spider. The spider uh, yeah, which is not too bad. He, he's a little sort of creepy clowny there, which, you know, Bill Skarsgård one is definitely creepy clowny. I think all the balloons are read in the book as well. Yeah, there, there's a depiction of him as the mummy. So the clown outfit with the mummy arms and head. Oh, mummy arms! That's creepy. It's proper spoopy. But yeah, in the you get a point of view chapter in the book from one of the kids who's murdered, mm-hmm. um, and he comes as the creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah crawls which is, which out is, of the canal as the creature from the Black Lagoon, which is I guess hinted at in the miniseries with the the, the green corpse yeah, yeah. climbing out of the That's thing. Sign a shout for that. Um, and I'm trying to see if there's any. But you do get that oh, character. Accurate versions. Got this fan art of the current one. Yeah, of course there is. But like in a spoopy way. Spoopy. Oh, it's Uncle Theo from Goosebumps, but that's just popped up. Yeah, that's 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 neat. That's, that's creepy. Scary clowns. As one does. Love scary clowns. Oh, there's a jack-in-the-box that uh, I think it's Sideshow Mezco oh, made. Oh, yeah. That's spooky as sin. Oh, good lord. Scary, very scary. I want to see some book accurate, book accurate imagery, folks. Come on. Come on, internet. You're not all just copying and pasting the same pictures. It's There's accurate. one. There's a sketch. Oy. A little Oy. plain, but still kind of cool. Oy. Um, yeah, so. Meets. But tomorrow, Chris. Comedy meets. Tomorrow, as, as, as we're recording this, and, and by the time you hear this, gentle, gentle listener, listener. Uh, we will have seen it chapter two. So, what are you hoping for in it, chapter two, Chris? What are you um, hoping for? I'm hoping... Are there any, are there any moments that the, the, the annotation mishandled or that weren't done at all that you want to see in, this, in the... In the miniseries? In, um, mishandled in the miniseries or not adapted at all that you want to see in chapter two? The, the one thing I... Because re- I love the cast for this film. Um, I'm in love with the aesthetic and tone that the first one gave us. Yeah. So... More of a focus on those things like they did in the first is great. The one thing I'm looking forward to the miniseries did not do it's hotbox maturing like Yeah, the weird cosmic shit. Let's even if we don't flat out explain it I would I would like to delve into it to the point where you make it clear to your audience that 
Pennywise is a cosmic space being that should not be here and you need to kill it because if it was where it was meant to be, something else would have dealt with it and they can't help you. <laughs> like, just do that. Give us that enough of that. Like, because the first film doesn't make any point of this is a... Because in, in the most basic terms, Pennywise is a space alien. Dimensional alien. All right. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Just saying. The space between spaces. He's a, he's a <laughs> creature from outside our universe. So an alien. Yeah. But a dimensional alien. A killer clown from outer space. Yeah, killer, he's a killer clown from outer space, but without with with with, with a C. Oh. Uh, that's bad news. Has to avoid. I don't wish that on anyone. Has to has to avoid. Uh, <laughs> Problems with the Chiodo brothers. Um, <laughs> legally distinct C clown. Give me, give me maturing. Uh, and even if they don't do the same, give me some giant spider action somewhere, just because I want to see their version of it. It'll be some. There'll it, be some sort it, of creature. It, it was suggested. In the first one, yeah, when he was attacking him, and at one point he sort of sprouted like insectoid legs and started stabbing the ground, limb blades. Yeah, give us a bit of that. How about you? What 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 wasn't in the mini series that you want to see, and just overall, what are your what are your hopes for it? <laughs> I want to see the storm that tears the town apart. Aye, which happens in the wake of its death, because there is that implication that it is so intrinsically linked to Derry and what makes Derry mm. and the fibre of the town. It is Derry. It, it's death. It sort of warps the town. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see that reflect. I'd like to see a bit more of that. I would like to see... I don't know if we see it in the miniseries. I don't remember it, but I'd like to see the eggs. We don't see the eggs in the miniseries. I'd like to see the, the, the eggs and the implication that there there could be more of this thing it. should it desire <clears throat> to yeah to, to, to incubate said eggs um um you know I hope we don't see that in the movie actually because I don't want people to start writing think pieces for months on end going there could eggs. be a sequel yeah, yeah or show it but fucking burn them like well, show them being in, destroyed in the, in the book is but like I mean to, I mean a prolonged unnecessarily yeah. unedited shot of them burning down to the last ember so that any any bastard out there writing for Den of Geek or whatever will, go, yeah. will have to go, right, we can't write, maybe sequel. <laughs> but you, you just know some lazy bastard will write a 2A4 two, oh, two yeah. piece where only three paragraphs are original and those yeah. three paragraphs will be, well, we saw those eggs destroyed, but what's not to say there aren't more eggs? Yeah. It, Easter egg suggests sequel. Andy Machete's, or Andrea Machete's already pointed out, he said... If I did another, it would be a prequel. It yes. would not be about the kids. It would be about Derry in a different time. And it would probably be developing on some stuff we're going to see in this part. So it's like, sure. My suggestion is, don't do any follow-ups. No. Of any kind. No. If you want to long, if you want to make more money from this franchise, just do what you're doing on this Thursday night. And at some point in the future, maybe when the Blu-ray's coming out, re-release both parts in cinemas and make an event I of it. I read in the Den of Geek review today Yeah, there is going to be a director's cut of chapter 2. 
Okay. It's going to be four hours long. Okay. Sure. As long as it's an option. So as, yeah, as, long, as, long, as long as the release is theatrical cut or director's yeah. cut, you pick and you watch. Like, so fine. If, if that article is correct, and I haven't seen this anywhere else, so I'm not sure. But if that review is correct, yeah. then there is a four-hour cut of chapter two floating around. Sure. Which... Sure. With footage that may uh, yeah. or may not all be getting reinstated for a, for a home release. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, Can't judge yet, but I've, I've liked what, what I've seen so far. And a four hour long horror movie, though. That is... Yeah, but it's still shorter than watching uh, an extended Lord of the Rings film. That's true. Which are enjoyable, but very long. Lord of the Rings is not a horror movie. I think that's the... That's well, the thing I don't know. Me. Depends on if you have a phobia of slow motion scenes of people going... Gandalf and hugging in the bed. Um, and then again, you've seen the Shelob sequence, right? Yeah, that's true. Oh, I imagine that. you enjoyed that. Oh. Also, Peter Jackson has a bit of a horror nut at art, so. I've watched um, um, Brain Dead in Forever. Is it Brain Dead? It had two titles, didn't it? Do it. Uh, Dead Alive or Brain Dead, yeah. depending on your region. Yeah. Um, yeah I have a vivid should, memory watch. of watching that when I was younger, specifically just the lawnmower bit. Mm-hmm. Oof. The Frighteners is also great. Bit, bit, mm. bit funnier, but it's. Great. I'm, I am apparently a rare beast. You don't like the Frighteners. I don't like the Frighteners. What the fuck is um, wrong with you? And I think it's the script that kills it for me. Weirdly, it feels like monster. it has to keep making jokes and and the sides in certain scenes where I'm like, no, dwell on how creepy this is. Dwell on it. That's Enjoy rich it. coming from you, Johnson. It's true. <laughs> But I don't talk to the CGI dead. That's true. The green screened in dead. No, you only talk to the real dead. That's true. <laughs> I have problems. So yes, it chapter two. I'm excited. I don't want no sequel bait. I just want Losers Club for four hours. I just want Bill Hader not being able to make a scared face. We've seen all of his interviews and press earlier this he year. He says that, but the footage we've seen, I think he's going to put himself well. Earlier early this year, he was, I think he was talking about Barry season three, two? There's um, only two seasons out. I don't know if he's done it. So, so it was season two, then he was doing interviews for Junkie for season two, like doing the talk shows. And amongst the, every every chat show host, inevitably he's like, right, so uh, it. you're doing it. Like you, you've you shot it. And he's like, in, in certain ones, he's like, yeah, I've nearly finished. Or he's like, yeah, and I've done, I've done my partner. And they're like, what's that like? And he keeps bringing up, he's so infectiously, he's so infectiously giggly. He's adorable. But he keeps bringing up that he can't do scared acting. Uh, and it's something he hasn't realised yet until Which making this movie. Because he's never up to this point had to do like legit scared acting before. But legit the way the way he describes acting. it, I think it's on Seth Meyers, he's like, and go. It's like, oh God, guys, it's Pennywise. <laughs> God, we, we, we need to go, guys. Because... Because he's realised that when he's frightened, genuinely, he, just he sort of is like, ah, like smiling. You're going, ah. And that's just and that translated into the film. And he's like, uh, Andy's like stopping taste going, okay, we do that again, Bill. <laughs> Can you look scared? And he's like, I was. I was, I was terrified. Like, Skarsgård looks horrifying. Like, I'm actually scared of him. But it's like, yeah, but you're smiling. Oh, right. Okay. So I'll be Whoops. playing Where's Wally with Bill Hader's smile during inappropriately non-smiley scenes. I love it. I love it. Do you know what else I love? What? You lot. BigDamnContact at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of It Chapter 2. We're giving our spoiler-filled review and discussing it next week. Yes. Uh, if you've seen the miniseries and you want to shoot the shit about that, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. 
It's pretty bad, right? Is your refrigerator running? It is. Well, you better go out and catch it. I like it, but I think it's bad, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I think it is. Is it? It is. It ends. It's it. At Big Damn Cast on Twitter. You can also catch Big Damn Stream on twitch.tv. Slash Big Damn Stream Mondays and Friday evenings from 9pm. Matt will be uh, roughly 9pm. Yes. Keep an eye on the Twitter. Friday is going to be in flux for a bit. It's going to be a stream yeah. on Friday, but the time is going to be in flux for a bit. But Monday is going to be 9pm. Yeah. Defo Monday. Adventures in Backlogging is back. Can Matt survive entire playthroughs of old games? Only if they're good. Um, no, I, I don't think I'm going to do any, <laughs> any full playthroughs for a bit. I think I'm going to see a bit of variety in there for a while. The Kess Please stream is bloody funny. Oh, man. Um, so there's that. Uh, Wednesdays, you can also catch on Big Damn Stream. Uh, via Big Damn Stream. The uh, Wednesday night weekly Warframe from Matt and Cakes. Uh, I'll be streaming sporadically over the next week or two. Uh, with various bits and pieces. If you want to see if I've learned how to parry on Contest of Champions, you moaning bastard, you can find out. Um, spoiler alert, I haven't. Uh, also, uh, hit us up here on the YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast nonsense from. All that good shit. And keep your eyes peeled on Twitter. We've got some news in the next week. So, till then, gentle listener, do you have Prince Albert in a you well better let or die out beep beep richie <laughs> <laughs>